Joe Ovius joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can find him on the Ovius and Gilio podcast, one half of Ovius and Gilio, almost at 3,000 subscribers on YouTube. Joe, I got to ask you, the first question for me is, what are you learning from YouTube? Like, what, what have you learned so early in the YouTube game? Because even with social media, I had no yeah. clue the comments got that crazy. Is that something you've experienced in your short time? Well, I'll be, and thanks for having us on, guys. Um, so I'll say this. I started to discover this on YouTube um, during the lead-up to the Panthers' draft of, of Bryce Young. Um, once, once you get caught up in the algorithm. Uh, it starts to feed you people, and those people have very strong opinions about what quarterback the Panthers <laughs> should take. And I thought Twitter was a place that you could be kind of born in the darkness and the fire, and, and it, it will galvanize you, iron sharpen iron. No, YouTube's another level, man, mm-hmm. another complete level, uh, as, we're, as we're starting to find out. I also found out that thumbnails really matter, and the brighter the thumbnails – the, the crazier the images, the more people are likely to click on those types of things. So there's there's still a, an old radio soul in me that wants to believe that the content will still find the, the people who want good content, but apparently you need a good thumbnail to go along with it. <laughs> who knew? It was the thumbnail that was the secret to success. But yes, you're totally right. Twitter only lived in the darkness for a while. YouTube was born in it and molded oh by it. It was. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that's that's don't, how it don't is. Don't you say one more thing about my precious baby Bryce Young hype, okay? Don't oh. you say one more thing about it. Oh, look. That, that was basically every YouTube comment for the last six months. No, uh, we do a Hornets Daily podcast with Lockdown Hornets. Let me tell you, the Lamello stands are something different over oh. here. It's oh it's amazing. Goodness. It's amazing. Don't look if you're a little squeamish. Do not look. That is Joe oh Ovius. Boy. Follow him on Twitter at Joe Ovius again. Go check out his podcast with Ovius and Gilio. Easy to subscribe. Just go look it up on YouTube. First hit the OG. The the profile pick is fantastic right there, Ovius and Gilio. All right, let's uh, get to why we had you on here, Joe. Let's talk about the ACC. So the Action Network, Sports Illustrated, they reported yesterday. The, quote, magnificent seven, including Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, amongst others. They met with legal teams in recent months to examine the league's grant of rights. Let's stop there because there's a lot to chew on. Let's just stop there. And you see this come across your timeline, Joe. The main subject, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? This is new. It's not new. I mean, it's, it's honestly not new. Mike Alford, the AD at Florida State three months ago, talked to the board of trustees at Florida State, and he was asked questions, direct questions about the grant of rights and how to get out of it. We talked to a lawyer on the old radio show about how schools go about dissolving the grant of rights and they can go off on their own. So that was from three months ago. Uh, Around that same time, Julio and I talked to North Carolina Athletics Director Bubba Cunningham, who's also a proponent of unequal revenue share. That's what's kind of driving this right now. And he also was open about the fact that they're looking at all options. The only extra sauce here is that McMurphy decided to give it a name. The fact that these seven schools are comparing notes, yeah, man, you should be comparing notes. If you really want to find a way out of the grant of rights, you're seeing what your lawyers are seeing. You're talking to other people like, well, what would, what would it look like if we did leave? That's doing your due diligence. We talked to Holden Thorpe the former chancellor of North Carolina last summer when everything was 
uh, dissolving around the Big 12 and Texas and Oklahoma were going. And he put it on, a, on, a, on another level for us, where on the these decisions are the ADs. The ADs are not the ones making the ultimate calls. It's the president. And Holton Thorpe talked about it. at that time, if he wanted to, he could call the Big Ten and find a landing spot. So these are conversations that routinely happen at various schools at various times, but that doesn't mean any actual action is happening here. And I do find that McMurphy and the way that he positioned it made it sound like there's a legitimate group of seven trying to find a way out of the ACC. I don't think that's the case. I think they're just comparing notes. Now, we can have some mental exercises of how they go about it, but I would say this to you and I would say this to the audience, and I've been saying this for the last couple years. If there was a way to break the grant of rights, it would have already happened by now. And you have to essentially play the waiting game. My wife's a lawyer. She deals with contracts. And the one thing that she always screams at me when this topic comes up, when we're kind of discussing it over coffee or she hears me talking about it, is she, she always reminds me, contracts are only worth the amount of money you're willing to pay to get out of it. And that's why I've only identified 2030 as the first actual time in which I think the ACC might be seriously looking at dissolving. But right now, I think it's a lot of saber rattling. Yeah, and that's the thing, Joe, as I look at this as well. I was just saying, how realistic is it that they can actually find at this point? Are they looking for a loophole or, as you said, just trying to find a way to have to pay less? Because we know they would have to pay very hefty uh, amounts of money to be able to get out of it. Yeah, and not only to understand the grant of rights, it's you could leave. You know, if Florida State was really about that life and they, <laughs> they say we're the top brand, blah, 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 and they wanted to leave, let's say they had a landing spot in the SEC. That would mean that until 2036, any money that they make from the SEC television deal goes directly to Charlotte, where the new ACC offices are going, and that gets dispersed amongst the remaining ACC schools. Uh, and that there's no amount of exit fee. That's all part of that exit. So it's you're not that's it's too expensive. Now let's play the mental exercise. Let's say this magnificent seven really has a plan. Well, what's the plan? is the plan that you're going to get an eighth school to have a majority vote that would dissolve the grant of rights and that every school is off for themselves. I mean, if I'm Jim Phillips, the commissioner of the ACC, I walk into the room yesterday and I said, hey, guys, let me give you a little lesson on alliances. Remember when the ACC had an alliance with the Big Ten and the Pac-12? How'd that work out, right? So every school is in it for themselves. The only way this would work, the only way it would work, is that these seven schools and a mystery eighth team, and I was talking about this with my friend Chip Patterson of CBSSports.com today, actually, is that those eight teams break off and they create their own conference, and they go to ESPN, which then, of course, adds another layer to this. I don't know about you guys, but I pay attention to what's going on at ESPN in terms of how much money they have and the layoffs they're going through and what exactly the appetite is to throw a bunch of money at a new conference. Of course, the sell would be, well, we don't have as many mouths to feed. We're only eight teams, and we can bring more of that to ourselves, and it wouldn't necessarily cost the ACC as much or the ESPN as much because they're not carrying as much dead, dead weight. But right now, the Pac-12 has struggled with this. I'll be curious to see what happens with the Big 12 uh, with the additions that they're going to bring in, having missed Texas and Oklahoma. And I really don't know what ESPN's appetite is for dropping more money as they're invested more in the NFL. They're invested in the NBA, 
and they're going through a round of layoffs to cut X billions of dollars from their payroll. So the business is really funny right now. I would know personally in the last three weeks the business is kind of funny right now. And I don't know if the ACC really understands that either. Yeah, and so off of that point, does it put Commissioner Jim Phillips in a tough spot? What can he do to try to save this from happening, or does he just go about it business as usual and there's no need to worry right now? Right now, it's trying to find ways to supplement what you're making from the television dollars. I don't know what that is. You could get radical with it. If you understand you're never going to catch up to the $30 million gap that's been created between you and the SEC, you're going to have to find a different way to compete, the easiest way to do it. And I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm, if, if I were, I would be asking some questions. Hey, what would it take to make players employees of the conference? Like, let's not make it about the schools, right? I mean, Florida State's literally broke. They can't afford to pay players, okay? That's why they're in this position in the first place. They're very similar to Maryland when they left for the Big Ten. They just don't have money. Um, So you would have to find a way to say, all right, fine. These players are employees of the conference, and they get X amount of money set aside from the television deal, and that's how you access better talent. And you're doing that before the SEC does it, which is keeping all this money, and they're trying to go through NIL collectors and everything else. You have to get creative. But everything that I understand about Jim Phillips, and we've had several conversations with him, and I have a good relationship with Jim Phillips, he's a true believer in the college model, and that would go against everything that he has always stood for. So you then, all right, then what else is it? Is it gambling money? I mean, NFTs, that, that sailed. So, I mean, I really don't know how else you're going to make money right now. And then there's the other factor, guys. Like, it doesn't matter how much money you have. How much... Texas has every revenue avenue available to them. What have they done in the last 15 years? Yes. What are they going to do in the what are they going to do in the SEC? I mean, they can barely compete in their own conference now. What's it going to be like when they when they're button heads in the SEC? So, money isn't everything when it comes to competing and the ACC is learning that lesson right now. Joe Ovius joining us right now on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Joe, you talked about Jim Phillips. He's received a lot of criticism from a ton of ACC fans. Do you think all of that criticism is fair, and how does that apply to however he handles the Magnificent Seven meeting with local teams? <laughs> uh, oh, man, I hope that name doesn't stick. Um, <laughs> no, Jim, Jim Phillips inherited a really, really difficult spot from the previous commissioner, John Swafford. But John Swafford was in a difficult spot in trying to make sure that the league survived. And that is the, the sort of monkey's paw that you have to deal with. Some of your audience might get that reference because they watch enough sci-fi Marvel movies to understand the thing where, hey, you get this incredible thing, but there's a price to be paid for it. And in this particular case for the ACC, it was the financial contractual stability through 2036. Unfortunately, it was going to place you firmly third place in the Power Five structure in terms of money coming in. It's a deal that works really, really well for Wake Forest NC State, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Boston College, but it's not one that works for Florida State, Clemson, and to a certain extent, North Carolina, that has probably the most valuable brand right now left in the ACC. So it's it's a give-and-take sort of situation. So really, it was Swafford that has to receive a lot of the blame for the situation they're in. Jim Phillips inherited this, and he was just doing what he can he, or what he could really 
uh, with what he was given to work with. And right now in Amelia Island, he's dealing with a lot of angry ADs who want more money. And then, Joe, when you look at the deal when the ACC did this in 2016 and then you look at the projected payout estimates from each conference, was this just kind of a matter of timing as like in free agency, the the next guy up gets the biggest deal? And then did the ACC do too long of a deal with ESPN in your estimation? Yes, they did. It was ended up being too long of a deal, but the reason why it ended up being too long of a deal was the only way they could solidify stability uh, and not further, you know, not having another Maryland on their hands. The the smartest player in all of conference realignment and television deals was Jim Delaney, the old commissioner of the Big Ten, that did the shorter deals and, more importantly, spread the wealth. You see where the Big Ten is, right, in the grand scheme of things, where, where they were and how they're operating now going forward. Where John Swafford's play was, if I'm going to get this network, ESPN, and at that time the network made a lot of sense, then I'm going to have to partner with the with the television outfit that could help that happen. ESPN had already done it with the SEC network. They'd already done it with the Longhorn network. So it made sense they could do it with the uh, with ESPN and the ACC network. But again, it's all in those trade-offs. If John Swafford had not done that at that time and knocked out an arrangement that has Notre Dame as a part-time member, we're probably looking at the ACC, the same way we look at the Big East right now. It would be a boutique conference with basketball playing private schools, and the big brands would have been consumed by other conferences, or they would have broken off and tried to do their own thing. Uh, But it would not have survived. It had not been for the length of that contract. But like you said, it's all in, you know, what's your value? You know, there are quarterbacks out there that it makes more sense to do a long-term deal. Other quarterbacks, knowing where they are in their career, it makes sense to do a short-term deal. So the ACC was just in a position at that time where they had no choice but to do a long-term deal, even if, in retrospect, it looks foolish because you've seen what the the Big Ten's able to do and what the Big 12 might be able to do here in the future. That was Joe Ovius on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Very thankful for his time. Wish we had more, to be honest. A titan of the industry joining us here on these (laughs) airwaves. Make sure you go check him out again on YouTube where you can hear more of his thoughts on the ACC. And if you want to talk about something different there instead of the Magnificent Seven, whatever you want to title it, go pay attention to some of those schools, what they're doing. Again, Ovius and Gilio, very easy to find once you type that into the YouTube search bar. Also follow him on Twitter at Joe Ovius. We appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joe.